And as you go with God's action here on Faith FM, you're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson here this morning. We're about to get into our 20 million movement Bible study. Okay, so somebody's texted through. They want to know how to listen to the uh, to, to go back and listen to the interview that we just had with Eliza Ma. Uh, great interview right there. And so if you'd like to do that, simply go to the podcast tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it takes a little while to uh, edit the show down and to create the podcast. So go to the podcast tomorrow. Uh, the podcast comes out in two halves, the first hour, the second hour. Mm-hmm. And so you go to the first hour of the podcast. And then if you are not interested in the news stories, you can just skip ahead. Yeah. And delete the interview and you'll be able to get it right there. So uh, excellent material from Eliza. By the way, we're planning to have Eliza come on on a monthly basis to talk about so major awesome. historical figures. And, of course, this can be done on the website or on the app. So if you are a patron of either of those, you, yeah, get it done. Absolutely. Okay, so, uh, of course, the app, if you don't have the app, you need to get the app. Somebody was talking to me or, or messaging, I should say, Faith FM over the weekend and talking about how that whenever they are under power lines, they can't hear Faith FM where they are. Mm-hmm. Which is not an uncommon thing with radio. You know, you drive through town, you come to a set of street lights, and suddenly, mm-hmm. or you drive under power lines. And okay, the easy solution to that uh, is just simply grab the Faith FM app, grab the app, um, or the or the website faithfm.com.au, yes. and just simply run it through your phone. Mm. Run your th- phone through your car stereo. Problem solved. Yeah, where you have cellular service, cellular service, you will have Faith FM. Which is pretty much everywhere where you're going to be 99% of the time. Mm. Except for where I was camping on the weekend, which was kind of a blessing. That's right. <laughs> you go camping. The purpose of going camping is not to have service. Yes. That's why you go but then camping. Then you miss out on hearing Lyle's voice in the morning. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I will, Lawson and I will let you off the hook if you go camping. Yes. Because camping is... Amazing. Probably the only legitimate substitute to listening to the breakfast show. It's the revelation of nature, isn't That's it? Right. Incredible. Absolutely. Oh, it's uh, it's God's second book right there. We're talking about education in our Bible study. I wonder whether they're going to give us a week on nature. I dare say they should. It would be incomplete without it. Mm. If they don't, I think we will. Mm. Because it is so important to learn from nature. Yes. Obviously. Okay, another text message coming through. Let me just find it real quick. Uh, da, 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 where did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? Okay. Oh, we have a... Uh, yes, we've got somebody texting through for bragging rights. They do have the correct answer. Oh, uh, Prize go. is still available. So if you can come up with the correct answer, then give us a call here, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 491 mm-hmm. Make sure you save those numbers in your phone. Uh, someone wanted to comment on the... A uh, story that we had earlier about the satanic ritual of a, a ritualized abortion. Yes, and so the uh, yeah, basically, the satanic uh, temple in the United States has created uh, ritualized abortion so that it can be covered by religious liberty legislation. Mm. And um, yeah, the comment was just made. You know, satanists have always been around us. They were simply underground, and so that is true of the past. Now, mm-hmm. many of the lawmakers who belong to the Church of Satan have shown their hand. The days left are really short. God will step in very soon. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting comment because, you know, the Bible talks about a union at the end of time um, between the various religions of the world, including spiritualism. Mm-hmm. 
And you'll particularly find that, you know, Revelation chapter 16, you know, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And what you've got there is a union of the religions of the world mm-hmm. because the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet all exist within the realm of religion. religion. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're seeing taking place. Mm. Uh, spiritualism used to be one of those things that, you know, people were shock horror about. And yet today if you, you know, meet somebody walking down the street on a public transport somewhere at a coffee shop, whatever, and they're like, yeah, I'm into Wicca, we sort of don't blink our eye anymore. It's like, yeah. oh, you're a witch. Yeah, Particularly okay. amongst the younger, and I think the younger Western crowd, particularly again in Australia where we're very secularised, like if anything, uh, spiritualism finds great favour in the eyes of the secular public. And it's not all bad that we're not shocked by it anymore because it gives us a greater opportunity to be able to yes. have good conversations with these people. Mm-hmm. Which in, which in the part, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, which good conversations with those people from my experience are like just everywhere. Like yes. they are so, you can really get into it with those Absolutely. people. Absolutely. And what I find is that, you know, people who are into Wicca and stuff like that tend to be very, very respectful of your religious convictions, mm-hmm. unlike... Some people who are sort of more into um, aggressive atheism and that kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. Um, and even sometimes, sadly, people of other faiths. Mm. Which is unfortunate. Uh, it is. It is. Oh, but anyway. Man, we could talk about that because oh. my, my gears are just turning, you know, just on what you mentioned. I'm like, yes, but, you know, this deception will also come from the Christian realm and that's what we're seeing too. Like it's not just the Satanist influence, but it's from all over the shop. And I think I actually, I actually preached about this on the weekend and it's just this idea of, well, let's then come together to worship in spirit and in truth. And take us, take ourselves back to the Bible, and not be informed by, well, you know, what's happening in the newspapers as to how I worship God. You know, absolutely, mm. absolutely. No, I think that's a uh, a very very important point that you've raised right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to talk about the law of God this week. Yes, uh, this is interesting because in the context of religious liberty, of course, religious liberty applies to the first four commandments and not the last six. Mm. And of course, abortion is part of the last six, not the first four. Yes. And so, you know, the, the, the Satanic Temple really doesn't have um, grounds to be able to, you know, hide behind the Constitution on the last six of the commandments. Mm. However, our first Bible verse that we're going to look at today is going to be Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. Let's head over there very quickly. Deuteronomy 6. I've got a few verses out of Deuteronomy 6 today, uh, De- the book of Deuteronomy today, I should say. Mm hmm. Um, but chapter 6 and verse 5. This, of course, is a passage that Jesus quoted in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. What have you got for us there, Lawson? The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Okay, so that statement right there, what's that got to do with the law? Um, It's one of the foundational principles. Right, like as absolutely, yeah, it's um an encompassing synthesis statement of the purpose of the law. War, go, Lord, li- listen to Lawson, go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you get at you. An encompassing synthesis statement. Yes, you can tell you- <laughs> Lawson has changed since he was doing radio at the beginning of the year. I'm trying my best. <laughs> go, Lawson. Mm. Okay, so Jesus quotes this passage. 
from Deuteronomy chapter 6, mm. verse 5, and he gives it some context in Matthew 22 and verse 37. Mm. Uh, and just to give a little bit of background, the Pharisees were having a discussion, and one of them asked him, which is the greatest commandment? Uh, that's in verse 36. Jesus replies, and of course, you know, the Pharisee is expecting Jesus to name one of the ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, as Adventists, we'd be like, oh, please pick number four. Number four, <laughs> number four, please pick number four. No. Uh, Jesus bypasses all of them. Yeah. And he goes in with verse 37 where he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Mm. Then in verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus says, okay, what you've got here from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, Mm -hmm. that is the greatest commandment out of the Ten Commandments. Yes, wow. Because the reality is that if you truly do this, you will keep all of God's commandments. Mm. If you truly love God, you will not question him on his commandments. You won't keep them in relationship to your own convenience. You will do it out of love for God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Of course, Jesus went on to quote from Leviticus when he said, uh, the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he outlines these here as being the new commandment. And so a lot of people say, well, you know, there you go. Jesus did away with all the commandments because, and he made by making a new commandment. We don't have the Ten Commandments anymore. We have the new commandment. Love, love, just love God, love everybody else. Mm-hmm. There is an element of truth to that because if you do love God and love everybody else, you will naturally keep the Ten Commandments. That yes. does not mean that God has done away with the Ten Commandments because human beings are thick. And this is like the question that I always ask when people take that step of like, oh, yeah, that means there's no commandments. I'm like, well, if, if I'm not going to keep any of the Ten Commandments, how on earth could I possibly love anyone? <laughs> like, Oh, exactly. I'm just going to love everyone by murdering them? <laughs> like, no. It's like, it's, I think it's impossible. Like, oh, man, it is, it is literally impossible to love people without you know, partaking in one of, at least one of the commandments, you know, by not killing or stealing or, um, you know, and then the first four commandments relating to God, you know, to remember him as your creator and not worship anything else. Like, like it is literally impossible to love him without doing those things. That's right. So to love him would mean that you would automatically, you know, that's the, the step that you would take for sure. Jesus goes on to say on these two commandments, hang all the law. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus has given these two, he hasn't he hasn't changed anything. He hasn't created anything new. He's simply saying, okay, back in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, when uh, Moses first wrote the law, love to God and love to each other mm. was the law. Mm. Now, love to God and love to each other is the law. Nothing has changed between the Old Testament and the New. You don't have two different standards of salvation. Yes. You don't have some people who get to heaven. You know, when you get to heaven, you're gonna, not going to have you know one group who you bump into up there and like, oh, how did you get to heaven? They're like, well, we got here by keeping the law. How did you get here? Well, I got here by grace. Yeah, wow. Well. You're not going to have those kind of conversations in no. heaven. If anyone's in heaven, should I? No, let me rephrase that. For everyone who is in heaven, they will be there by grace and by grace alone. Mm. End of story. Mm. If I'm correct, just quickly, um, the New Testament passage you were just reading, that verse finishes with the law and the prophets, right? It does. Yeah, and that, to me, then gives it 
future significance of not only is this because whenever we refer to the law we're talking about the past you know specific specifically in the jewish context to those you know to the torah the torah the first five books of the bible but he mentions the prophets not only to give you know uh the rest of the old testament significance but to point to oh the essence of prophecy you know what it's pointing forward to and what god wants from his people all the way into future time is the same standard Exactly. Exactly. Very, very, very good point. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I've tried. <laughs> it's good stuff. All right, where are wow. we going now? Uh, we're going to stay in Deuteronomy. If you could head over to uh, chapter 31 for us, please, there, Lawson. Sure, we'll and we're going to look pages. at uh, verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 9. The Bible says, So Moses wrote this entire book of instructions in a book and gave it to the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and the, to the elders of Israel. Keep going. Keep, keep going. Uh, continuing on to verse 10. Then Moses gave them this command. At the end of every seventh year, uh, the year of release, during the festival of shelters, you must read this book of instruction to all the people of Israel when they assemble before the Lord, uh, Lord your God at the place he chooses. Call them all together, men, women, and children, and the foreigners living in your towns, so they may hear this book of instruction and learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully obey all the terms of these instructions. Do this so that your children who do not have these instructions will hear them and will learn to fear the Lord your God. Do this as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Okay. All right. So he was told to write these down to uh, to record it, mm-hmm. and so that they would learn to fear God. And they were supposed to read it. How often were they supposed to read the whole thing? Um, once every seven years at the festival of release, right? Actually, there was um, the festival of booths, which is I think yes. you're, you're shelters. shelters. Yeah, that was the festival. Of, okay, shelters. so you do it okay, once every yeah, yeah. seven years, but you'd also do it once a year at the festival of. Um, of booths. Ah, okay. Yep. Oh, okay. I like I like the t- term festival of booths. It's like the old English term. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why they called it booths. We would call it camp meeting. Yeah. <laughs> big camp. Big camp. That's what we call it. <laughs> That's awesome. We would call it big camp. By the way, if you've never been to big camp, um, yeah, I was going to say, you should come. But then I remembered COVID. Well, unfortunately, it was cancelled this year, but I'm sure, you know, by next year, like, you know, we're already in October. We're getting things sorted out. Like, I'm not so sure. Really? I'm not so sure. Well, I know that... Um, oh, this is some secret underground information. Shh, oh, okay. On the hush. No, but oh, okay. um, basically um, in January they're radio? planning to... Uh, you we know, in terms of camps, in terms of camps that are happening, they have a plan going forward to uh, supply, you know, teen summer camps. So okay. in some ways. So I'm assuming just from this information, this small piece of information that I know about summer camps going forward in the summer, um, that by... April, May next year, maybe we could have something together. We'll For see. big camp. Because summer camps, how many uh, how many kids do you have at summer camps? Um, they're thinking, they're changing it up a little bit. They're making it like, because in the past it's been, you know, four camps run week after week with like 120 kids or so and then, you know, uh, say 80 staff and it runs like that. But uh, this year in particular, they're making it a more family-orientated Thing to try and combat, you know, COVID and people who are from ah, different yes. houses staying together. So, um, activities-wise, they've still got 
similar numbers, I believe, in the hundreds. But, you know, to just try and work out the living situations, it's going to be a little bit different. But I think that's yeah. a great idea, actually. That's oh, fantastic. It's idea. one of those things that comes out of COVID that's a positive. It's like, let's not have teen camp. Let's have family camp and bring your teens to family camp mm. and teens can associate with their families at teen camp. And teens. And teens. So it's like, because, oh, man, we should probably get back to our Bible study, but one of the most amazing things about those summer camps is how the ability that teens have to kind of be free and hang out with people who are their own age. But it's like yes. they can have that positive relationship with people of their own age in the con- like in that context where they're having positive relationships with people of their own age, then they can take that back to their family as well. And that's what you, that's, you know, interger- intergenerational mm. um, ministry. Which is the perfect segue back to what we're talking about. Because if you see, if you read this commandment that Moses gives, this reading of the law was completely irrespective of like who you are. It was for women, it was for children, it was for strangers uh-huh, living uh-huh. in the gates for the purpose of uniting a community under. The keeping of the law. Yes, because outside of Israel, women would be excluded from this. Mm. This would be secret information for men only. Yeah. Well, because all the religions were like mystic religions and, you know, you had this upper class that was running the show, whereas like the upper class running the show in this sense is God. And you find the other, you know, that's right. And and the other thing that you find within the Jewish system is that every person down to the peasant girl, Mm. think about this for you know, a thousand BC and find me a nation in a thousand BC where a peasant girl was taught to read. Wow. Mm. You know, that's just, there is, there is nothing else that compares to that in history. Mm. Not only like to read, but just like the culture of like, oh, and God is calling you to be something more than you are. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that powerful? Absolutely. That's so awesome. And, and, and this is the thing, the whole purpose for it, the whole purpose for literacy Mm. The entire purpose for literacy in the Jewish system that was established by God was to enable you to have a relationship with God. Which brings us back to the purpose for education. Mm. Purpose for education. Education only has one purpose, and that is redemption. Mm. That's it. Amen. There is only one purpose to education, and that is redemption. And I say this over and over and over and over again. It doesn't not matter how well you know your three R's. If you are destroyed in God's judgment, then your education has failed. Wow. Mm. The purpose of education is redemption. Mm -hmm. And this was the purpose of education for ancient Israel. This is why a peasant girl was taught how to read was not so they could, you know, sit down and read, you know, the news of the world because it wasn't available back then. Mm. Uh, it was because it was so that they could read the one and only book that they actually had, and that yeah. was the Bible. So they can learn to fear the Lord their God. So they could learn to fear the Lord their God, so that they could have a relationship with God. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We were having a conversation earlier, and I think we had a text message come through. We did, according to uh, research. Uh, COVID-19 may continue until 2025. Yikes. So there is, okay, there's a bunch of different research out there. Mm -hmm. I get that. Uh, And some people are saying it'll be gone by the end of the year, but very, very few. And those voices are rapidly dying out. Mm -hmm. Um, Others are saying that it'll be gone by the end of next year. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm now starting to see more and more reports coming through for uh, 2022. You know, people are consistently starting to push the end of COVID back to 2022. Mm. Uh, Of course, none of us have the answers. We don't know. It's a virus. It's a disease. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, once you let these things go, you kind of don't know what's going to happen with them. Yeah, but I think as well, like just like many of the diseases we've had in the past, will we get to the point where while COVID still exists, we have built up a tolerance or an immunity to it? Yes, that would be the expectation. Of course, there is the possibility that one day our world could uh, be faced with a disease. And it seems that that's the expectation with this one. Mm. It it does seem that, uh, you know, it, the, the possibility is always going to exist that a disease comes along that, that human beings are not going to form any kind of immunity too. Mm. And so that would create a very, very interesting scenario. Well, that's um, essentially when being... When the Bible says, you know, the mass diseases at the end of time. Yeah, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. well, I was, just gonna, I was just thinking like that's essentially how we've treated coronavirus. Like that's how we treated COVID. Is that like, oh, if you get infected, you'll be severely harmed, if not die. So we've shut down the world. And um, it's kind of worked. To beat coronavirus, like, uh, obviously, you know, we've seen the mismanagement or, you know, that, yes, many people have died, but we've done a great, uh, all in all, like, it is reduced, particularly in Australia, so. Particularly considering the kind of world that we live in, which is such a mobile world, Mm. um, I think it's been interesting to see how it's pulled the world together. Yeah, wow. You know, you've even got warlords in Africa that call it cause a truce, call a truce because of COVID. Until COVID's over, you know, it's just like... <laughs> That's epic. <laughs> have you ever seen the world... You know, could you have believed it possible that the world could be so united? Mm. Yet so distant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> deep, deep. <Yep. laughs> All right. Um, let's, we? let's, we've got four minutes of Bible study left. Why don't we talk about our Bible study? The Bible talks about this time when uh, once a year and then once every seven years they would get together on special occasions, basically mm-hmm. camp meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, their tents would be a little bit different back then than what they are today. They'd talk about building booths, and so they got together at a time of year when the weather was um, nice mm-hmm. so they didn't have to have you know anything too fancy. They could build themselves a nice shady area, mm-hmm. and they would spend that time uh, obviously, you know, building communities, socialising together, coming together as a nation, all of those kinds of things, celebrating, um, socialising with, with uh, different families. But reading, the purpose of it was to read the law of God. Mm. Every year and then again every seven years they would have these special occasions where they would get together and the purpose was to read the law of God and the Bible says that you'll read the, that your children will read the law of God and they will learn to fear God. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to learn to fear God? Like read the law and be terrified. Um, oh, that's some people's take on it, but I don't believe so. Um, because, you know, uh, as, as the New Testament says, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Um, but this is like just, you know, an old translation of this idea of respect. Absolutely. Um, which is like, and I feel like this is, you know, kind of easy way to explain it. Like, how does fear go into that? Well, someone that you respect, you're like, Scared to hurt or mistreat, like that's how I yes. see. It. Yeah. Well, there are people that there are people whose intelligence I find intimidating. Mm. That does not mean that I'm scared of them. Mm. That does not mean that I don't want to sit down and have a conversation with them and pick their brain. Mm-hmm. That just means it's just like, wow, I am in 
awe of the stuff that you know and the stuff that comes out of your head. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that does not mean that I don't recognise that they have faults because they're human beings. Yes. With God, it's a little bit different because I am in awe of, well, pretty much everything, everything about God. Yep. <laughs> and that's what the word fear him here means. It means to be in awe of and to respect. Yes. And so these two things go together. First of all, you have a reading of the law, which then results in your children being in awe of and respecting God and building a relationship with God. This is what these events were all about. Mm. Okay, so if we we go over the New Testament, we're going to find this uh, same concept in Galatians. Okay. Let's go to Galatians. Galatians is a cool book. I I love Galatians. I preached out of Galatians on the weekend. Nice. It was cute. All right, which chapter? Three. Oh, Verse. Which chapter did you preach on? Um, five. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, where are we? Three. Um, maybe. Verse 24. 24. Oh, nice. Okay. Let's see if your translation butchers this one. Yeah, I love the layer. Check this out. Let me put it to... Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. My Bible translation simply says the law was our school teacher to bring yes. us to Christ. Classic. Yeah. Very, very simple. This is the purpose of the law right here is to lead us to God. Amen. That's its purpose in education. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Right now, it is time for... Question of the day. All right. So, question of the day is: Is the Old Testament just for the Jewish believers? Okay, and this one does come up from time to time. Uh, you find people who refer to themselves as New Testament Christians, and I feel very, very sad for them because they're only kind of like a quarter of a Christian. Because there's a whole Bible that God has given to us, mm-hmm. and the you know the whole question that goes through my mind is this: When did the church become only New Testament Christians, when was it that the church only started using the New Testament of the Bible? At what point? You see, they didn't do that in the first 40 years of the history of Christianity because the New Testament didn't exist in the first 40 years of Christianity. It didn't start to be uh, written, to be put together, to be collated until... Sometime after that, when you had your first New Testament books being written. And so my question is this. During the first 40 years of Christianity, when they read the Bible, when they studied the Bible, as the Bereans did, uh, who studied the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so or not, what was the Bible that they were using? And how could they study themselves into Christianity if they didn't have the Christian Bible, the New Testament? Now, of course, the whole Bible is the Christian Bible. The whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. And that's why we are Bible Christians, not New Testament Christians. It makes no sense whatsoever at all to call yourself a New Testament Christian. And to say that the Old Testament is just for the Jews? Really? You know, the book of Genesis was written just for the Jews. It covers, you know, at least 2,000 years of history in uh, the book of Genesis that predates Abraham. You know, it's got nothing to do with the Jewish people. It's all about antediluvians and so forth, all kinds of different races other than the Jewish people. 
Jesus made some interesting statements. I'm going to go over to the book of Luke. And uh, interesting parable there, the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, probably don't have time to get into all the details of this particular parable today. I'm just going to focus on the conclusion. Jesus makes a very, very significant statement. So Luke uh, chapter 16 is where we will head over to. And where is chapter 16? We're going to go right down to the, right down to the end of this. And basically there's a, a discussion about like, well, we should send somebody back from the dead. If somebody comes back from the dead, they're going to believe. Yeah, that's that's really clear evidence, and they're going to be forced to believe. It's like, okay, uh, let's bring that into the modern context. Let's say that we raised somebody from the dead in front of the scientific community. Uh, let's say that God did that, then atheism would cease to exist. Well, actually, it wouldn't, and Jesus is very clear about this. Um, Anyway, the, the discussion is, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Of course, there's an allegory because Abraham was long dead. Uh, let them listen to them. They've got Moses and the prophets. In other words, they've got the Bible. Let them listen to the Bible. They don't need anything more than the Bible. And the, uh, the argument comes back, no, Father Abraham, but if one of them went from the dead, they will repent. Okay? It's the argument back again. Abraham says the Bible is enough. This person comes back and says, like, no, 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 we need someone to come back from the dead. Jesus said to them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. In other words, if you do not read and understand and believe the Old Testament, it is impossible to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage, in the clearest possible language. And so to cut out the Old Testament is to cut out, well, some huge chunks of the New Testament. The book of Revelation, for instance, 90% of the book of Revelation is quoted from the Old Testament. In other words, it can be seen as a collation of the Old Testament. Wow. Uh, and so much of the New Testament, I think 10% 10, 10 of the New Testament in general is made up of quotations from the Old Testament. If you get rid of the Old Testament, you gut the Bible. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.